This is Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Your 803 tee time every Sunday morning right here on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf is brought to you by Gearheads of Nicholasville. Edwin Watts Golf, Truly Nolan and Critter Control, French Lick Resort Casino, and Lexington Parks and Recreation. Also sponsored by Commonwealth Credit Union, Georgetown Advantage Air, and Maple Leaf Gutter and Siding Systems. Let's join your host, Matthew Lawrence, for Backspin Golf. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Sean. I shouldn't start it. I know it's early on a Sunday morning. Well, it's not really. I've been up for hours. Welcome into Backspin Golf, everybody. As always, we have a great show today. I know I'm biased, but Sean, don't we have a great show? We do. Sean said we do. Uh, my guest today, Ryan Ballingy from Golf Newsnet, Jordan Perez from Fire Pit Collective, my buddy Dan Hauser from thestiffshaft.com, and then we're going to spend a couple of minutes with Todd John of Revive Lifehouse here in Jessamine County to talk about a new charity golf tournament that's coming up. Uh, all of that. Boy, there's been a lot going on. Hello, Sergio. Yeah, we'll get into that with Dan Hauser. So you ready? Let's tee it up. Hi, Christmas, Scarrow. Next on the tee. Best golf podcast anywhere. Hi, Chris. All right, here we go. All right, joining me now, one of the best in the business, someone whose opinion I value immensely, and knowing him, I'm not even sure why I say that, but I do. He is Ryan Ballingy, the owner of Golf News Net. Just go to thegolfnewsnet.com. Uh, there aren't any better places to go when you want to talk about anything to do with golf. Hello, Ryan. Matthew, thank you for having me on. And that was your first mistake thinking that I'm smart. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, (laughs) unfortunately, it seems like all the people in my life, my friends all pretty much fit into that category of (laughs) of that, you know, me saying that and not, not having a basis for it. So I'm consistent in that way, which is really good. Uh, All right. Now, I am not smart, unlike all my friends. And this is why I I wanted, I always love talking to you about whatever it is we talk about here on Backspin. But all the talk recently about, I I don't even like saying his name, Greg Norman and this this new Saudi-backed, live league events, whatever you want to call it. I think people, even though they kind of know, like me, I kind of know what it is, but not really. And so I wanted to go to you, who, as I I really do respect your opinion about all these things, can you explain to us exactly what is going on now with this uh, cockamamie, Sean, there's another word we don't use enough, cockamamie idea of this live golf stuff that's going to happen first at an event in London. So the whole concept of live golf, which some people might have known as the Saudi golf league or the super golf league. If you've heard those terms used, 
the whole idea originally was to have this league, which is funded by what's called the Public Investment Fund, which is the Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund. They've got silly, insane money to do whatever they a want. A trillion with. dollars or something. Exactly. I mean, they, they right. can... Buy. And they wanted to come up with a golf league that centered around a team concept. They basically took the idea of the Premier Golf League run and founded by a bunch of Englishmen, stole the idea and said, we're just going to put the money into it ourselves and we'll hire Greg Norman. Mm-hmm. And they decided they wanted to have a, a, 12, a team concept, 12 teams, four players, and there would be a season-long 15-16 event schedule where these players would compete in simultaneous 54-hole shotgun start individual and team tournaments. And they would play for silly money, like $20 million per tournament, with a $5 million team component, and then they would end the season with a team championship worth $50 million. Hello. And <laughs> that's not anything to sneeze at. That's a lot of money for anybody, especially when you only have to pay 48 players to compete right. and guarantee them money. And so all of that was really appealing to a lot of players until Phil Mickelson opened his mouth and started talking bad about the tour and started acknowledging that the Saudi benefactors of this tour are probably not the best people to be aligned with. And that changed a whole lot of minds among the pros. And all of a sudden you had these statements all along the weekend of Riviera where they were basically one by one saying, I'm on the PGA Tour, staying on the PGA Tour, not doing the live golf thing. And so they kind of had to regroup Norman's team. And they came up with, okay, well, instead of doing that concept, we will run eight tournaments instead. There won't be any contracts. You can come and go as you please. We'll create our own little qualification criteria. Uh, and let's see who we get who's willing to come play. And we're still going to put on these purses that are insane, regardless of who plays. And you're going to get $4 million to the winner of this first tournament and each of the eight they're going to do. And the first tournament, like you said, is outside of London the week before the U.S. Open, a place called Centurion Club. Mm-hmm. And so far reporting says that about 80 players have filed uh, a request to be invited today and that 15 of the world top 100 are a part of that 80. Now, I don't think any players in the world top, let's say 45 are among those 15. So it's likely older players who are kind of toward the bottom of the top 100 that see this as an opportunity to make a whole boatload of money while the best players in the world are slumming on the PGA Tour for $10 million purses instead. And they don't really care that it might damage their reputation this stage of their career to be aligned with something like the Saudi-backed concept. I I saw an interview with Lee Westwood yesterday, who Mm -hmm. was one of these players, and he fits exactly what you just talked about uh somebody with you know very high name recognition but uh he'll play well in some tournaments even contend in a couple here and there but he's not he's not what i am not going to turn on one of these tournaments to see guys that are number 72 in the world i don't care where they're playing or who they're playing against i'm not going to do it And the other component of this, Ryan, is the PGA Tour and the RNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this has come out in the last couple days. 
Can you talk to us about, because they have to get releases, right, to play Correct. in these events from the PGA Tour or the RNA and the, the what's now called the DP World Tour, the European Tour. So how is that all going to work? Yeah, and I think that the pivot to doing eight events that you can come and go as you please kind of works in Norman's favor because there's precedent on both the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour for granting releases for these one-off events. Uh, on the PGA Tour in particular, they will only grant that release if the event is being played outside of America. So the first event being in London, they have precedent. The players know it. So if you, they want to play, they'll get their release. Same mm-hmm. thing for the DP World Tour. They will probably grant the releases. And then there will be another tournament, and the next one's in the United States. Well, any PGA Tour player or any player under the PGA Tour umbrella, so that's Corn Ferry Tour, Champions Tour, whatever tour that they own. They own like seven tours. Yeah. They cannot, they will not grant a release for a concurrent tournament, competing tournament in the United States. That's when it's going to get really hairy, because at that point, the tour will deny the request, and that will probably trigger a lawsuit, either from Live Golf, saying that you can't do that, or from the player saying, you can't do that because I'm an independent contractor. And so the first event really is kind of a sideshow, truthfully. Yeah. It, it gets more interesting from a competitive and legal standpoint once we get into the United States events, because then at that point, the real legal war, which mm-hmm. is what this is truly intended to set up, starts. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because we have no idea what does that even mean. Uh, if they are not given a release... And then uh, is this like, you know, in baseball when you're fined or something, you can appeal it and play while the appeal is going on? Like, do they say, I'm suing you and it's going to court? Well, will they be able to play while they're waiting to get a court date and set up all the court stuff or not? I mean, it's going to get, and as you say, I don't know about uh, anybody else, but my feeling is uh, maybe the first one some people will watch, but. You know, your Twitter account, which uh, people, if you're not following Ryan and you love golf, it's at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Ballinger, B-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-E, uh, or thegolfnewsnet.com. As you say, uh, it's always funny how the PGL likes to sweep under or leave out that under their proposal, they don't a ridiculously undeserved portion of the concept because they thought of a team golf concept. I mean, that's pretty perfectly put. The whole thing is, I I don't like it, Ryan. (laughs) For so many different reasons. I mean, you've got the PGL, effectively the same concept, just you've got the money and the PGL for the splintered. And then you've got the PGA Tour, which really, truly, has a monopoly of tournament golf in the United States and North America most world. And they have aligned themselves with the DP World Tour and will probably change their schedule even more next year to basically own worldwide tournament golf. And mm. so so much control. They've got so much business that on one hand, you go, how can you walk away from that? How can you walk away from the PGA Tour for so many reasons? Because what if this doesn't work? They don't, Live Golf does not have 
a television distribution deal that we're aware of in this country. Mm-hmm. So that first event ain't on TV right now. <laughs> now it might be eventually, but it's not right now. And I assure you it's not going to be on CBS or NBC or ESPN or any of the networks that are aligned with the PGA Tour. Right. So where is it going to air? Who's going to watch it? If no one watches it, what's the point? Then who plays? I mean, is, is it going to be a tournament where – the 450th ranked player in the world finishes 48th and still cashes a check for $120,000, which is what they're going to get. Well, to the average golf fan, they're going to be like, this is stupid. How, this is stupid money. How can you give that to somebody in a sport where we have built up this idea that you earn what you get? Right. You don't just get paid up front. And then, ultimately, is this any better of a golf product than what we watch week to week on the PGA Tour? I mean, the shotgun start sounds kind of convenient, but it's 54 holes, and it's otherwise just golf, like yeah. the same golf we watch every week. Right. So uh, you mean to tell me we're going to play one less round, we're going to do it in a time frame, so if I take my afternoon nap, I miss it, hmm. and then <laughs> we're, we're going to pay the worst players more than most people ever dream of making in a year. Right. How, how, does, that, how does that really connect with fans? I don't. And of course, I'm probably biased because I don't think the concept's a good one. Yeah. But how? How does that? How does that ultimately work out? So, do the Saudis see these eight events, and are they playing the long game? Do they go, okay, we have a five-year buy into this. We will bite the bullet uh, with basically no TV contracts, no revenue, no nothing, and then see where we are in five years? Or they run this for one year and go, Greg, this ain't working, man. We're done. <laughs> and that's that's the risk. Yeah. Any player who signs up for these events is taking because the PGA Tour, I assure you, will be around in five years. Mm-hmm. I don't know about live golf. Yeah, and if you find find yourself in five years banned from the PGA Tour for life because you did this one tournament or this one thing, is that really worth it? I think that's the risk some of these players are weighing. And and part of the risk for a lot of these players who have to, frankly, a lot of them have to worry about making the cut in PGA events which means if you miss the cut, you make zero. And they're kind of betting on themselves that if they play in this event, well, the worst they're going to get is 120 grand. Uh, uh, you know, it's not saying much about how they feel about their chances, really, in the world of, of golf. Uh, uh, before I let you go, is Phil, do you think Phil is going to play? I mean, he's... he's a, put in that he's going to play at Southern Hills in the PGA championship. And also, I guess, is it the open that he's also said that in uh, the British open or is it, is it the U S open? The U S open. Okay. U S open. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and frankly, this, so that's, we could spend the next hour talking about Phil and <laughs> all of his crap and everything, because, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't care about Phil. Now I'm one of those people that I don't care, and I, I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what happened to that guy's life in a year, where oh. he went from being an immensely popular player yeah. who became the oldest major champion in golf history mm-hmm. to a guy who's persona grata pretty much everywhere in golf and has become Sasquatch. I mean, you, yes. you see him yeah. walking through the woods here and there. Yep. Um, what I mean at some point. He's going to come back to play golf. I think that will be the championship because 
he kind of owes it to the tournament being the defending champion. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be as much a, a big stain on him, even bit, no, not bigger than what he's already got, but another stain on him for not defending a major championship right. when he's perfectly able to do so. So he's going to do that, and he's going to be a sideshow. And the PGA of America knows it, and Phil knows it, and he's going to have to deal with it. And it's going to be the start of kind of the pain train for a while, where he's going to have to deal with questions, and he's going to for a while yeah and then he's going to go play this live golf event before the u.s open and just stoke all of the flames all over again so by the time he gets to brookline the next week he's going to get asked all the same questions. oh i can't i can't even imagine uh all right well i know you're at the wells fargo i really appreciate you taking some time to explain this to me because uh, it's helped me immensely, and I can't wait to see you again. Whenever that's going to be, I can't wait to see you, man. Thanks so much. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. See you. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Edwin Watts Golf. Welcome back. Backspin Golf. Sunday morning. And now, uh, I, I'm just... Sean, I, I'm so lucky. I really am. Uh, all our friends over at the Fire Pit Collective made a great decision, a great decision, to have Jordan Perez cover amateur golf in the way that she does. She's amazing. She's one of my favorites anywhere. And I'm so happy we get to talk to her this morning. Hi, Jordan. Hello. I'm so happy to be on Vaxxin Golf. I, it, is, it is my favorite invite in the world, truly. Oh, Sean, did you hear that? Thank you, Jordan. Anyway, Thanks. I could get into a whole thing here, but let's talk some golf. I'll save it for the end. <laughs> let's talk some <laughs> golf. Uh, there is so much going on. Of course, it's the time of the year for this, but there's so much going on in amateur golf specifically collegiate golf. And I wanted you to tell everybody and just talk to me about this San Jose State team that, I mean, this whole story. And by the way, people, you can follow her on Twitter at J-R-D-N-P-R-Z, which is very cool for Jordan Perez. And, uh, of course, with fire, at Fire Pit Stories. Talk to us about this San Jose State team, because this is, this is pretty amazing. So San Jose State does this really impressive thing back in February where they beat Stanford by three shots, which I think put them on the radar a little bit, but I don't think everybody was quite convinced yet of what this team was capable of. Um, and granted, San Jose State it plays in the Mountain West Conference, but they're not a team that's really padding their schedule with easy tournaments. Honestly, mm-hmm. they're playing pretty Pac-12 dense events, so you know they're keeping they're keeping themselves pretty competitive. So they beat Stanford by three shots in February. Then they play their home tournament at Meadow Club, um, and they also beat Stanford once again. Wow! Um, by the slimmest of margins and which 
was super impressive about that with Stanford's best player, Rose Dang, sets the course record at and she to 63 that day, which let me just say, I watched that round. Yeah. And that was a perfect round of golf. But <laughs> San Jose State came through and beat them again. Um, and then they beat the number two team like a month later at their home tournament, Oregon. So they have really proven themselves to be the real deal after like nearly decades of kind of being in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And that really falls on the rebuilding and the restructuring from the facility to new coaching. It, it's been a magical transformation and there's certainly a team to watch this postseason. Now um, their coach, I, I didn't know this is Dana Dorman, who is a pretty accomplished golfer here. And uh, she's the one that's brought this, this team to where it is now. Yeah. Dana had a pretty good LPGA career mm-hmm. she played full-time for 10 years one twice yeah uh, she played pretty well but I know she had this inclination to kind of give back to um, San Jose State and she wanted to be closer to home as she was starting a family so she joined her husband John who takes over the head coaching role um, sometime in like 2005 and they coach for about the next two decades they only make really two trips to nationals in that time yeah. um kind of downtime for the program but then they build this incredible facility back in 2017 dana takes over the team in 2018 um and she really implements a lot of incredible things that you know help bolster recruiting really help level up the competition you know there's a lot of philosophies that have come from her and her playing career that have really really just transformed this team and they were they were so fun to write about it they was it was awesome well all of this i mean is just this collegiate golf and we have you know the university of kentucky here has a really good golf team and uh we have a division three school transylvania which every year is a power in, in golf nationally, uh, right up the street from our studio here. And it's always great to hear about these uh, collegiate programs. What about on, on the men's side here? Is it Oklahoma? Oh, it really feels like Oklahoma, but it could really be a few teams, I think. Yeah. Um, it could be Pepperdine again. <laughs> it could be <laughs> Texas, who is mounting an enormous comeback, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the return of their two twins, Parker and Pearson. It feels like anybody's championship at this point. And today, actually, um, on Golf Channel, the men's regional seating will be announced, which it's always very interesting because they abide by this rule called the 500 rule, um, where teams all across Division One need to finish above 500 in order to be eligible for regional play, which, interestingly enough, if you, even if you're ranked inside like the top, I think the number is like 81 or so teams, but you aren't over 500 in your schedule, yeah. you're not eligible oh. for regional that's interesting to me. 
It is. And it leaves that. So that rule was introduced. Um, I think it was over. It's been over a decade at this point. Um, but that rule was introduced and quite controversially, I think there's people who really like it. It kind of allows mid-majors and other programs to really get their spot in regional. And I think it introduces a level of parity. Um, but I also think it kind of removes strength of schedule as a consideration. Um, so, you know, I do, I always believe there is a better way. Um, I do think there's good things about 500 rule. I do think there's not so good things, but it does keep it pretty interesting. Yeah. Speaking of course, with, uh, our friend Jordan Perez of fire pit collective. Um, <clears throat> now I mentioned Kentucky golf here. Uh, we have a couple of really, really good players on our men's team, but once again, the sec, which, you know, we're talking, Florida, we're talking all these SEC teams again. Uh, this conference is pretty good in golf, too. It's not, you know, it's funny when you said Pepperdine before, I was thinking, so basically it's just all these California schools, Stanford and San Jose State and Pepperdine and all this, but there's some pretty good golf being played in the SEC. I think pretty good and understatement. <laughs> yeah. I mean- the SEC is as strong as ever, um, you know, especially on the women's side. I believe Kentucky women's has a pretty high speed yep. um, in regionals. And that's, you know, that's within credit to what they've been doing all year. You know, Jensen Castle has been an incredible anchor. Um, I think ever since she won the U.S. Women's Amateur, you know, she has really flourished into this. Um, just really powerful player. So Kentucky women's is playing the Stanford regional, which will be interesting mm. for them. Mm. Um, it's time zone and everything. I Sometimes the regional seedings are interesting. They throw teams across the country further away from a regional site that they could be playing at. <laughs> so that'll be, I think that'll be a challenge, but especially because that's a pretty strong regional and um, the top four seeds advance to national so it'll be interesting to see but they're the number five seed i think they're competitive enough to where um they can get it done but we'll see yeah um how many teams are in the nationals for the women it will be 24 yeah uh i believe it's 30 okay and this this as we know every year there's uh, different formats to this, right? There's there's stroke play and then match play. Is that right? Yes. Oh, good. See, Sean, I I know some of this stuff. I'm glad I got that that right. But uh, it's an they play. It's amazing to me every year when I watch the national championships how much golf these these people are playing. And there's a lot of golf they're playing. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it it stays on in, and and thirty six whole days are pretty common in college golf. But mm-hmm. that's not to say that they're not exhausting. And you know when you take into account you know weather and pace of play and other things, you know you're throwing a lot of really uh, interesting things in the scheduling mix. Um, and there's been some debate over the years, you know, whether it's appropriate to be scheduling, you know, a quarterfinals and a semifinals or 
a semifinals and a finals in the same day. Um, and, you know, I debatably, I, I mean, I personally wish they had a little more downtime and yeah. relax, you know, it's yeah. hard. It's not, it's not an easy week for anybody. No, it isn't. And including the people that cover it, I would imagine. Where, uh, where, because you, it's not like you're just, you play your own thing and then you're done for a couple hours. I mean, if you're there covering it like you do uh, in many instances, you're constantly going, right? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> they're not short days by any stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, and, that like it's same way if you're covering it you've got to figure out how to um best appropriately use your reserves and sometimes that is missing out on a little bit golf and kind of picking and choosing right. you know where the story goes but hey that's that's why that's why i cover it because and that's why you're the best at it where do you go <laughs> now where will you be traveling to um so my next adventure will be uh-huh. uh, safely at the Curtis Cup in June. Um, we're in back-to-back years for the Curtis Cup. Wow. So the amateur women will be uh, playing head-to-head from the United States against the women from the Great Britain and Ireland team. So that'll be a lot of fun. And where is that? That will be in uh, Pennsylvania at Marion Golf Club. Oh, uh, that's an easy golf course, though. They should tear that up. <laughs> I mean... there's plenty of usda events booked through marion for the next i don't know how many years a hundred years it feels that way right yep do you are do you get are you playing at all i am nursing a pinched nerve um flaring up and down left and right so i am it, it is literally in my back right shoulder Uh, and I've had a slew of back problems my whole life so that's just like the territory that I know comes with playing so but this just came up like within the past two months so I've been trying to navigate that so Mm. yeah not as much lately okay we'll be sending healing thoughts so you can get out there on the golf course it's always it's always so great to catch up with you. I am your as I always tell you, I'm your biggest fan and you just Thank do you. phenomenal work for Fire Pit Collective. Thank you. I wanna put a shout out up there to Tyler Hero for winning sixth man of the year um from the Miami Heat. Nice. Oh, see, you you know what you're doing. This show is from Lexington. You know what you're doing. Good move. Good shout out. Had to <laughs> the heat of the team, so well, and you got Bam down there too. You know, don't forget oh, Bam. Bam. Yeah, one anchor. <laughs> oh, and so yeah, okay, all right. Well, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care of your pinched nerve, and uh, we adore you. You're a great one. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for having. Okay. Bye, Jordan. Bye. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by French Lick Resort Casino. Welcome back. Boy, this is going to be fun. Oh, is this going to be fun. Every week I have great guests on the show, but somebody that appears with me regularly, my man Dan Hauser, 
down in Florida. Uh, we vent about the same things. We have uh, universally the same opinions on every story and player in golf. I think that's actually a true statement. So when that, well, let's say hello to Dan and then uh, we'll talk about what we're going to vent about. Oh boy, it's going to be fun. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Oh, oh, it's weird when, because of backspin, when things happen in the world of golf, my first reaction is not about what just happened. My first reaction is, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. And then I kind of absorb what just happened. And for all those people listening, uh, most of you who are obsessed with the game of golf in all its forms, like Dan and I are, what happened over the weekend in, uh, not over the weekend, what am I talking about? In the opening round of the Wells Fargo Championship, with Sergio Garcia, uh, which everybody knows about now, but if you don't, we'll tell you, was it, it just was, uh, I sat there with my jaw on the floor because of this spoiled baby, Sergio Garcia. All right, you want to set the stage, Dan? <laughs> yeah, so, that, so not to break the fourth wall too much, but oh, go you, know, ahead. you texted me last you texted me last night, and you were like, "Hey, what do you think about you know coming on the show tomorrow?" And obviously, we're on we're on over the air radio here, so the FCC and everything. Yes. But the the answer I said to you was something that we can't say on the air, but it was just it was a an exclamation of excitement with a couple extra choice words thrown in there. But I was like, "Bring to to put it in the PG." I was like, "Bring it on." Well, so, here's, yeah. the, here's <laughs> the thing: I texted you as I always do, and I say, "Can you do a call with me tomorrow at whatever time?" I said that, and then under it, in caps, I put Sergio Garcia. Sergio, yes. And then <laughs> you responded with some choice words and bring it on, uh, pretty much bring it on. So set the, yeah, yeah. set the stage for what happened with Sergio on Thursday. So honestly, I, I think it was the 10th hole. I can't even remember the hole at this point because, quite frankly, that part is not even really relevant as far as what happened. Right. but. Right. Which is, I believe it's a 10th hole, so we'll just say for the purpose of the story, it's a 10th hole. Uh, he hits a ball nowhere near the fairway. Yes. Uh, he hits it so far, so far, you know, Left. So, uh, out of the way that it was actually on the other side of the water, too, because there was water that lined, that, that lined that hole, and he hit it on the other side of the water in this, what only can be described as almost looking like farmland as far as how tall everything was in there. Yeah. I mean, it almost looked like it was a cornfield. Yes. I know it's not, but it almost looked like it was. Right. So he gets over to his ball, and obviously with the new rules on the PGA Tour, you don't have nine hours to look for your ball anymore. You have a finite amount of time. And it three used to be, minutes. I believe, five minutes. It used to be five minutes. Right. Now I believe it is three. Thank you, three minutes. So right. he had his three minutes. So the walking rules official starts his clock when, when it would appear that Sergio got to the area where it was believed the ball was. Uh, it took Sergio more than three minutes to find said ball per, based on when the rules official started his watch. Sergio did not agree with the time period in which that the clock started, he felt that it should have been started later. He then did find his ball, but it, once again, it was after the three minutes were up that that rules official deemed, and he decided to throw a five-year-old temper tantrum and basically say, I can't wait to not be on this tour anymore. I can't wait to not have to deal with you anymore. I can't wait to not have to deal with this anymore. I can't wait to not have to be around you people anymore. 
and he just went off, basically saying without saying, I'm going and taking that Saudi Arabia money. Yeah. Peace out, everybody. Right. So to which, to which when, when you and I spoke last night, I know this is not a visual medium, but for those of you who can visualize it, I immediately sent you back the GIF, GIF, however you want to pronounce it, from the movie Friday of Bye Felicia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Now, here, here's the thing, and we should mention this too, even though this is not the relevant part of the story, as the same as the whole. Sergio went walking down the fairway to where the ball had crossed into this unplayable jungle to the left on the other side of, they called it a river, and it was, it was bigger than a stream, and there was rocks all through it. Sergio had to first navigate how to get to the other side of this river, and that's when the clock should have started. He wasn't looking for his ball until he got to the other side. And that was his point with this guy. But instead of, he mentioned it once, but then he completely forgot about that and went off on his little tirade. Now, and honestly, you know what the craziest part of that, too, is, is that he actually wasn't wrong. No, he, <laughs> he wasn't. Actually, the, 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 PG, the rules official was actually the one who, who did it incorrectly. And they so the admitted part it. Of this whole thing, yeah, and so the funniest part of this whole thing is that Sergio was actually right. The tour actually came out and admitted it, but no one's going to pay attention to that because of this absolutely childish tirade he went on. Right, right. Well, here's the other thing, too. After uh, last night, I, and I don't usually do this, I mean, if I have to, I'll watch Golf Central. Uh, and those, the people are really good. Damon Hack and Brandel Chambly and those people. But I like sometimes watching golf. And I don't, but I decided to listen to what Brandel Chambly had to say about Sergio yesterday. And it was three minutes or four minutes of brilliance from Brandel Chambly, Dan. And what he basically said was, he has been pulling this martyr victim card for 20 years. He has made $100 million playing golf. $100 million playing golf. He has an incredible life and has had basically since he started playing. And for him to say that he's had enough He's going to go and take that money, which he didn't say, but that's what he meant, is absolutely, we talk about entitlement now, Dan, in a lot of areas. I'm not sure I've ever heard a more entitled human being than Sergio. Well, and it's funny, too, that you say that. First off, just to, before we go back to that, you mentioned Golf Central and, and what the Golf Channel's been doing as of late. I also don't tend to watch that on a daily basis. Right. That being said, between Brandel Chambly and Eamon Lynch, and all the other all the other people that are on there, um, the way they have been covering and handling this Saudi yeah. uh, uh, regime and this Saudi golf tour the has been nothing tour. short of fantastic. Yes, and for those that may not watch, I would highly recommend going online. They post clips on Twitter all the time, and just kind of listen to some of the things they say because the perspective that they give from not just a golf perspective, but they go as far they go so much beyond that to the actual human rights element of things and, and, and all that is just right. fantastic. But back to Sergio, not to use another wrestling term, but Sergio's been a heel and a self-appointed yeah. heel since the day he came on tour back in the days when he, was, when he was going back and forth and going at it with Tiger back when Sergio was still a kid and he was running up the fairway at the PGA and jumping up over the hill. I mean, right. he, so, so this is nothing new to him, 
So I don't know why he expects, after being the quote-unquote heel for 20-plus years, why he expects now all of a sudden to be getting sympathy. I, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, they also, Brandel Chambly, as he was talking, he said, I want to give you some examples of his behavior over the years. And they must have shown seven or eight different clips of Sergio throwing temper tantrums on the golf course, destroying bunkers after he hit a bad shot, blaming the bunker for for the bad shot he hit. He hit it in there, a moron. There must have been seven or eight examples of him throwing temper tantrums on the golf and course. The, and the craziest part of that is they barely even scratched the surface when they showed the, those seven or eight things. I right. mean, they could have filled up hours and hours worth of television programming just showing Sergio acting in ways that are unbecoming on a golf course. So right. they barely scratched the surface with those few ones. But yeah, I mean, spitting in cups, destroying bunkers. Let's not forget, as he's bragging about how he's going to go play on this Saudi tour, he got DQ'd from a, a, an event in Saudi Arabia for destroying a bunker right. after he hit that bad bunker shot. So right. it's not like it's not like they're just going to go ahead and, and welcome him with kick gloves and say, oh, Sergio... We're so sorry. We're so happy to have you. They threw him out of an event in their own in their own country yeah. a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, it's so long ago. He must have forgotten. I mean, here <laughs> and here's the thing: as I've been talking about about this live golf tour and Greg Norman and all this, and everybody on Twitter, everybody and Brandel Shan, everybody has said the same thing you and I have said. See ya. Go ahead. Go die. Put go destroy a bunker outside of London. Go ahead. He's saying that like we're gonna. Boy, this you people will see what it's like without me. Listen, and not not to go there, but I'm gonna go there. Go there. You know, he he (laughs) thinks he's got it bad now with getting into these arguments with PGA Tour rules officials. And you know what happens at the end of the day? He gets a slap on the wrist, or he might get a call from from HQ saying, "Hey, don't do that again," and he moves on with his life. I don't think I need to remind people that if you get if you get in disagreements with the Saudi government, how they tend to treat you, yeah. how they, they tend to handle those those disagreements. So, you know, I'm just saying, he thinks, he, you know, I just, I'm not really sure what he's expecting, but all the good luck to him, yeah. uh, you know. All right. I feel better. Do you feel better? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> A little now, bit. Well, little bit. <laughs> I'm going to give you, we have one minute exactly because you are a huge Cincinnati Reds fan. I know this is backspin golf. But you're in Florida. You have nobody, no Reds fans down there to vent with. You have one minute. Go. I just have to say to your listeners and to all Reds fans that are up in that area, thank you so much for what you have done because ever since Phil Castellini said, where are you going to go? You have made it very clear that the place you are not going to go is to that baseball stadium. Yep. That team has been an absolute embarrassment. I feel so awful for those players, yes. especially Joey Votto. His entire career has been wasted by that organization. I wish I could say he was the only one, but it would take me way longer than a minute to go down the list of laundry yeah. list of players who've had their careers ruined by that organization. I feel so bad for ma- the manager. I feel so bad for for the GM and for the front office who basically were handed this team and said, "Go do something with it." Um, but you know, we, we've heard you know threats in the past from fans saying, well, "We're just going to stop going to the, the stadium." You guys have done it. Kudos to you. Keep doing it. Keep staying away from that stadium. Maybe we can embarrass this guy enough. Uh, into finally having to sell his franchise. And, uh, yeah, at this point, I almost feel like I'd rather just – I, I want to see him go 3-157 or whatever that comes out to be because if you're going to be bad, be historically bad, and maybe we'll finally see something change. Okay. 
All right. And you know, you know that you can call me anytime about this. Yeah. Okay. I feel better now about that, too. All right, good. <laughs> Have a great, great rest of your day, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. See you, man. All right. Sounds good. Always good talking to you guys. Thanks, Dan. See you. All right. Joining me now here on Backspin Golf, uh, and this is very important, peeps. I know you pay attention to my show the whole time, but I want you to really listen to what we're going to talk about. Todd John is going to join me for a few minutes. He's the director of the Revive Lifehouse, uh, and we're going to be talking about a golf tournament that's coming up. But first, let me say hello. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. I, I Sometimes I get ahead of myself here, but here's, here's where I'd like to start. Uh, yeah. tell, tell our listeners about Revive Lifehouse and kind of what your mission is and what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a, we're a faith-based uh, addiction treatment center for men in Jessamine County. Mm-hmm. Um, holistic in approach and everything that we do. Um, we have a six-month-long program along with a outpatient center program that's now uh, open to women as well. The residential is for men. And, Matthew, we're really about getting men acclimated back to life. Yeah. This is why we named it Revive Lifehouse, because we believe that we are about reclaiming, strengthening, restoring, and establishing men for life. This is it's just awesome. It's an awesome mission, and it's really, really important in our community, but in any community, because we all know, uh, as I mentioned to you before, there's somebody very close to me who has pretty much devoted her life to the same kind of thing, and uh, it's incredibly important for our community to do this kind of work. So we have, as we all know, we have the Barbasol Championship coming here, the 7th to the 10th of July. Well, we have something else going on on the Monday before the Barbasol, and I'm really excited about this. Can you talk to us a little about the Revive Lifehouse Pro-Am at the Champion Course at Keen Trace? Yeah, we are thrilled for this opportunity, Matthew. Absolutely thrilled. We're excited. This is uh, our first time doing this type of event. Uh, I think some of the charitable partnership with the, the Barbersaw and the PGA is kind of their first time taking a stab at this. And so, yeah, we're, we're hosting our own uh, a pro-am event, and it's going to be Monday, July 4th. Uh, understand it's the 4th of July, but what a great opportunity to come out and support this organization that's doing life-changing work. It's a shotgun start at 1230 um at champions trace as we had mentioned yep um and you know we're going to be with a pro uh they'll have a caddy what well, team will have a caddy and there's going to be some great prizes to uh to win everyone's going to get some great gift bags and, and again just just to come out have fun golf with a pro for the day and go home and barbecue and have fireworks with the family i, I know that's what we look forward to and and uh, it's just going to be all around a fun day i can't wait for this and what a great way to celebrate the 4th of July and that's having some fun being outside having fun with a pro and the the rest of the people on your team and supporting this great cause which helps our community immensely and the men and now women 
in the community. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes, Todd, and we'll be talking much more about this because we know before before we know it, it'll be July 4th around here. It, it's, it's just around the corner, and they can find more information at yep. revivelifehouse.org. Okay, that's perfect. And uh, I'll be talking to you as we go along and continue to get people over there to champions. Thanks for joining us, Todd. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate you. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. That'll do it. What a great way to wrap this show up. Uh, We'll be talking more about the Revive Lifehouse Pro-Am July 4th uh, as we go along. Thanks to all of you for listening. It means a great deal to me, and I really, really appreciate you all. As I appreciate all our great partners, Edwin Watts, Gearheads in Nicholasville, Commonwealth Credit Union, Lexington Parks and Rec, French Lick Resort, Georgetown Advantage Air, Maple Leaf Gutter and Siding, and Critter Control, all great, great partners to have. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back next week. There's a lot going on in the golf world right here on Backspin Golf. Don't forget, coming up, it's the Weekend Line with Brad Taylor on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Lexington Parks and Recreation.